Thank you so much for listening to Trilove's episode on Ronin. Three things right off the top. Uh, one, Trilon regular and Trilove listener Dan Nagan reached out to us about being on an episode, and we were so, so glad to have him on. Uh, you can listen to the podcast he makes with Tyler Erickson, which is called Everything We Learned, Anywhere You Get Podcasts. Check out his upcoming sideshow, Extra Credit, as well, launching soon. Uh, he's on Twitter and Letterboxd as at a dapper Dan man. Two. In this episode, Harry references a few movies that he wishes Ronan were more like, but he got some names wrong. Uh, whenever he says Bresson or Besson, he usually means French New Wave director Jean-Pierre Melville. None of us were smart or brave enough to correct him in the moment. Sorry. And three, it is super easy to get in touch with us on Twitter and by email, and we love having new voices on our show. If you want to see a movie at the Trilon and then talk on our podcast about it, be like Dan and DM us at at Podcast on Twitter or email us at trilovepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. I'm really sure. I mean, I've recorded many podcasts. Yeah. You got to have it Dan's t- right. tilted right at you. He's right. Corroborating. Evidence. Does anybody get to introduce this movie? Or we should introduce the podcast first, and that's your job, Buster. Thank you for listening. To Thank you Trilo. for listening to Trilo. I'm Little. Jason. I'm sick. I have a dog. Wow, it's like there are two Jasons in this room. It's like the Halloween episode. Oh, it's, like, it's like I have a twin. Ba-dum-bum. Jason has a twin, everyone. That's some insider baseball uh, jokes that you might not understand oh, unless you're a fan of the baseball jokes. I like it. I, I, he was the sports guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, taking I'm, my I'm, bit, I'm coming ass. for it. Thank you very much for listening to Trilove, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw or people we met at the Trilove Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can follow us at Trilove Podcast on Twitter. You can follow them at Trilon Cinema. My name is Jason. You can find me at Nintendoofus. With me is, excuse me, co-host Cody. Hi, I'm co-host Cody. Co-host That's what they call him, co-host Cody. Harry. Hey, I'm Harry. And special guest, Dan Nagan. Special guest, Dan Nagan, right here. Thank you very much for joining us, Dan. An actual person you met in the Trilon. Yeah. Is this <laughs> this is the first time it might be true? I think that's the first time we've actually proven our sort of thesis statement true. So congr- I, I knew it would congrats happen Congrats to us, I yeah, guess, was, and thank you, Dan. It was thrilling to get to meet you in the dark and then come out into the light and be like, oh. Well. Oh, God. Literally, the first thing I said was, wow, you're tall. <laughs> <laughs> Dan is very tall. I, I didn't know that we were white. And then we stepped out into the light. And he was like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense." Oh, of course, yeah. I knew Four it. Uh, I, think, I think he probably knew our works. Uh, uh, listeners, know <laughs> we squealed when Jonathan Price showed up on screen. He knew we were white. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that, good point. that was a dead giveaway of yeah. who Cody was. <laughs> he didn't he say. He didn't room. say you're going to pay the price at any point in this movie. How do you use that line if you have anyway? Yeah, it's because waste. David Mamet wrote this movie. Yeah, um, that's true. 
uh, listener note, I have, uh, I'm coming off of a slight sickness and my voice is not all there. So you'll probably hear some weird. Sounds uh, even sexier than you say, and, If you're wondering about the really sexy in there, if radio you're curious voice. about that smooth, smooth voice, that's not just me. That's I am in a room with Jason three is. incredibly horny grown men and it's, <laughs> it's really weird. We'll, we'll talk to the producer of uh, this podcast, get some like sultry, uh, soulful jazz playing whenever Jason has like dun, a long. Dun, 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 Dan's dun, got dun, it. We don't even need dun, to add it. Hell yeah. Hell, we would have it if you hadn't talked over him. Keep going, Jason. What are we talking about? Uh, we're going to be talking about the movie Ronin, uh, 1998, starring Robert De Niro, directed by that guy with the old German last name. I forget. John Jacob Frankenheimer Schmidt. His name is just John Frankenheimer. John Frankenheimer. Not John uh, J- Jacob Frankenheimer Schmidt. his name is my name, too. <laughs> Not to uh, diverge from our point too much, but I do want to do... <laughs> I do want to do something to introduce uh, Mr. Dan Nagan. Um, <laughs> God damn it. No, that was, I, I'm so tickled by that. Yeah, it's late and we're squirrely, but yeah, mm. very funny. Uh, we just watched Ronin. Come on. You can't be not. We got, we got that chaotic showing. Yeah, energy. Exactly. Yeah. No masters. Uh, <laughs> 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 Woo! I'm glad we did this right after seeing the movie. Uh-huh. Not, yeah, not tomorrow. You yeah. can always tell, right? I think it always comes through. Fantastic Planet was one of those we did that for, and it really shows in that episode. Yeah. Uh, let's get to go know Dan Nagan a little bit. We yeah. just met you for the first time improper at the Trilon before this movie started. That's correct. Uh, and you also have a podcast. Tell I me do. about that. I co-host the podcast, Everything We Learned, a movie appreciation podcast where we talk about movies that we love and hate. Mm-hmm. I started it with my good friend Tyler, who Jason knows somehow. Yes, shout out to Tyler Erickson. Uh, he is my uh, former co-worker here at SCG. Uh, if he's listening, hi. You should he tell might. him to listen to this. I'm gonna, and we'll see if he does. He's Tyler, not gonna listen to Tyler, it. Tyler, the secret code is 7-3-R-F. Enter that now, and you'll be able to escape the room. <laughs> wow, this is getting Did you lot. get that, Tyler? <laughs> Tyler, please send me a text message. You can send it back. (laughs) You still have me on LinkedIn. Please send me a message. Confirm you're okay. Mark yourself as safe. Uh, And uh, what is that podcast called, you said? Everything We Learned. We, I I love movies. I love talking about movies any chance for it. And I listen to endless amounts of movie podcasts. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are ripping the movies apart. And I I wanted to, to... appreciate them for what they are like even bad movies boy we're talking about one later tonight (laughs) Uh, even even bad ones there's still a lot to get from that and i notice you're wearing a blank check shirt i am oh that's the spirit jason i would give you a hug right now but there's a literal (laughs) round table in between us you don't say the round table between us that'll be the uh, behind the music of try love (laughs) when that finally comes out uh, and uh, what would you say are some uh, seminal or typical episodes, like some of, some exemplary episodes of your podcast that people should listen to? I think one of my favorite episodes was The Rock. It was <laughs> a tremendous episode. I, I had a, a lot of fun with that. great movie to talk um, about. One where I think I lost my mind during the recording of was <laughs> The Mighty Ducks, because I had never seen <laughs> that movie before recording oh, that. Oh, boy. And, oh, boy. There's a lot of insane things that happen in there. But just the fact that I'm I'm an I'm an attorney as well, and the Emilio Estevez in that is a lawyer, and he gets somehow as as a punishment he gets sentenced to coaching this this pee wee hockey team, and I 
Are you telling me that the Mighty Ducks is not an accurate representation of the legal system? Harry, I'm sorry to break it to you. I know that you've structured your worldview around this. We're going to walk you through this, but I, no. He's put his head I've, underneath the table. I don't know I where he's going. Everything I thought I knew. Everything I thought I understood. He's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> is that, is, is, was, was that one filmed here, Mighty Ducks? Yeah, yep. there's a lot oh, yeah. of scenes here in like the Skyways and other areas. I imagine a lot of that was just B-footage. Mm. Classic. Joining the pantheon of great movies that have been filmed in Minneapolis. Right alongside the uh, two others. Fargo and Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way, <laughs> of course. I just bought I'm glad that. We all thought Jingle All the Way. I just bought that on VHS recently. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> what? Why are you great. buying movies Yo, on VHS? I found VHS nineteen copy the there. Well, I think it, they added you to some kind of list. They're like, this guy's still buying VHS. <laughs> He's got a gun. They added him to a list of really bought, cool like, dudes. I had like my arms full of VHS tapes. So. Where wow. The, where the fuck did you go? Uh, Goodwill. Okay. Yeah, man. After my uh, oh, yeah. uh, And each one of them had the woman's name scrawled on them, and I was like, "Oh, oh yes. what happened? Something happened here." Beautiful. She got a DVD player, yes. probably. It's <laughs> <laughs> what happened. And she scrawled her name into those DVDs too. Remember me. <laughs> uh, so tell us how long you've been going to the Trilon. I've been going to the Trilon for at least two years. Probably around the length of time that I've been recording my podcast, weirdly enough, to put it in perspective. Sorry, we've got domain over this concept. Uh, yeah, of, we're going to need you to stop making that yeah, podcast. Okay, we well, are the only podcast. podcast. Okay, we're at you're, eight you're, minutes. A you're an attorney. You, you know how <laughs> you these understand things go. How these things you work. understand the rules. Uh, and how often do you go? Are you there every week? Every I go few days? usually once a week. Hopefully, if it's a good week, I, I'm usually insanely busy, but I try to go at least a few times a month mm-hmm. I go pretty like the first screening that I ever went to was the mystery movie done by tape freaks and I think the first movie I ever saw was the movie spookies and it's oh boy. is it spooky no no oh. it's sees. it's pretty kooky though I would, I would put it up there with kooky. <laughs> it's it I would say it's kookies <laughs> Spooky's more like cookies. We get it. All right, Jason. <laughs> Point Jason. Advantage Jason. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And then otherwise, I just kind of go whenever something kind of piques my interest. Mm-hmm. That's that's uh, like this movie for me. Or like Repo Man was one of my first viewings at the Trilon. <clears throat> and it was a total blind bull for me. Like I yeah. had no idea what that movie was. Really elated that I got to see it there. So that's... I agree that that's one of the best ways to go into these movies. Yeah, I think my favorite times, my favorite experiences with movies have been when I don't know what it's going to be. Like I saw M at the trial. Oh yeah. yeah, it was excellent. Blew my it blew my mind. Yeah, Peter Lorre. Yeah, yeah, one of the great like, uh, scary character actors of all time. He's got the best we shoulders that, in the biz. Uh, at I that was, showing yeah, too. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's also the first time I saw him. Or any was that Fritz Lang? I think so. I think so. Any Fritz Lang film. Anyway, uh, I'm going to let the other guys take a couple questions because I've been uh, what was the What's your favorite experience you've ever had at the Trilon, if you had to pick one? Uh, hands down, and they're doing a repeat screening of this soon, and I'm so, so, so excited for it. Um, oh, no, I'm blanking on the movie's name, oh, now, no. which is <laughs> so horrifying. So excited for this. Hard target. Hard Jesus. target. Hard target. Well, it's, we'll it's coming that. up with it very it's, a John, to you. it's the first John Woo movie that he did here mm. in, in English, and it's insane. And so, what made that so special? I had just seen it for the first time about a week before, mm-hmm. and when I saw that sax playing over like the, the 
misty streets of New Orleans again, and I knew exactly what movie it was. And I got to see it with an audience. Oh, wait, completely coincidentally? You had just watched it I had a week just before seen it for him? the first time wow. like a week before. It blew my mind. Nice. And actually, I think the most legitimate answer would probably be when I saw Ra- Raising Arizona. A great choice. Was that yep. the, uh, the It was the Nicolas Cage double feature. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with that and Wild at Heart, I think. Yep. Uh-huh. And. To get to see that movie with an audience, <laughs> hell yeah, yeah, like, that's that. I think is the most magical thing about the Trilon is getting to see like these movies that you love or ones that you've never heard of in a cinema with other people, and everyone there is someone that you know appreciates movies the same way that you do. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find some asshole who's on. I can swear, right? Yeah, absolutely, okay. absolutely. I, fuck not. yeah. Okay, thank you. You stop giving me more work. The institution to do. <laughs> of cinema is really fucking important. I agree. <laughs> Cody Frankenheimer, you're spot on. <laughs> Cody Frank- Yeah, well, I mean, we've already established. <laughs> Very good callback. <laughs> wow. We need to step up our game. We cannot compete. Dude, seriously. Dire- director of continuity over here. You're, you're hired. <laughs> but yeah, just to know that you're going to be in there with, with others of a like mind is... You can't you can't speak highly enough of that kind of experience, and it's mm. invaluable. Yeah, especially for a movie like Raising Arizona. That's a really good um, example. I'd seen that movie uh, several times before, and uh, like the the process of being able to hear other people react to it was like transformative, right? Like I I feel like I understand that movie better than I did because of being able to hear people react to it and you know laugh with it and. Uh, and everything. That's really that's a great point. Right. The the <coughs> comedic bit, points and beats of the movie resonate so much more. Yeah. Like you're like, oh, this is how this was supposed to play. Where it's not the same as if you're sitting on your couch at home and you just kind of chuckle a little bit at a moment. Mm-hmm. And but mostly keep your stony gaze straightforward, like <laughs> I do when I watch movies at home, like a sociopath just staring at the wall. <laughs> never, never reclining or seating. I only just feel emotion standing. when in proximity to other people. When I'm on my own, it's <laughs> all right. Devoid. All right, this is how I'm supposed to emote. Ha 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 ha. Right. Ha, ha. I need to be. I need to have it demonstrated to me so I can yeah. reflect it back at that. Sir, person. this is cure. Nineteen seventy nine. Nineteen seventy seven. You can't do that. <laughs> this is laughter. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, tell us the name of your podcast one more time. It's Everything We Learned. Everything it's a movie learned. appreciation podcast where we talk about all the movies we both love and hate. And, and where, yeah. where can they find you? Really anywhere that you, <laughs> if you go to like a podcast app of some sort and you look for that, I think I've managed to get it pretty much everywhere. Oh, nice. yeah. Just about, I think YouTube's kind of the last hurdle because it's frustrating and I have to somehow convert the audio to a video mm-hmm. and I don't. It's it's like ten more minutes of effort that I'm willing to put in. Yeah, That's yeah. Fair. We haven't. I don't even think we've ever considered the YouTube. We haven't. Uh, I don't know Avenue. what the listenership would be like. I mean, for video podcasts and yeah. for people who like have followings, sure. We just hit fifty-one followers uh, on a Twitter oh. account. Be the fifty-second. Hey, kind listener. Is that what these hot toddies are for? Oh, the celebration. That's right. I follow you too. I meant the podcast. Oh, my podcast. You know, I think it may be. I don't know. Honestly, he probably has more followers than we do, and he doesn't even know. Well, you've, been, you've been doing it longer, I think. You said I lost count in about two years. Yeah, yeah we we started <laughs> we started January of this year, so we're we're going on a year, guys. I mean, how many episodes yeah. is it now, though? Uh, the one that we just released was forty-five. Yeah, you've I think. almost eclipsed me, though. So. Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, because you you don't. Uh, we do it bi-weekly, and uh, sure. even then, it sometimes slips a little. Yeah, we're I'm uh, starting to kick up production a bit more, but it's it's tough. 
So that's why we release so many during Halloween. It's like, oh, we gotta, we gotta eclipse we gotta that other podcast. Up, keep up with everything. Right. We, we didn't bam, even bam, know bam. we had a nemesis, and now we do. So this has been very instructive. Thank There's you. another <laughs> Minnesota-based movie podcast. <laughs> you can't see it. we all pulled out our weapons. Yeah, We're you can't see it. Audio pod. When yep. when we get on YouTube, you'll be able to see our uh, weapons, including my 1911 45. It's an old gun. It's an old gun. Well, it served my country well. Uh, thank you for ripping us right back into Ronan, 1998. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that's what we're here to do. Uh, yeah. A movie with the absolute loudest, bassiest song intro Yo. of the of like cinematic history. Poor Trilon could sh- not handle it. It was shaking the Trilon in a way I've never heard the Trilon shook. I think I, I heard some like some audio breakdown a little bit. Near the end? Yeah, during some parts it, mm-hmm. of this. I think it's when Deirdre is talking. I, f- I forget what she's saying. Uh, it's so much bass and so much accents. I don't even the, think the she was, just couldn't keep up. I don't even think she was talking. She just like glared at the camera like she does a couple times, and the room just started shaking. <laughs> just goes, <laughs> <laughs> it's too powerful. The glare, it's too big. <laughs> Look away. Uh, we don't have Aaron for his uh, classic Aaron Grossman synopsis. That's actually just five minutes of him explaining the entire movie. <laughs> I right. can I can read like the twenty second one. From I was Letterboxd going to ask you to to just oh, give sorry. us a quick synopsis. Yeah. yeah. So, so let um, me ask you, please. Hey, Cody, do you want to give us a quick synopsis of I the would, movie Ronan? I would love to, Jason. Thank you. Um, I feel better, by the way. Uh, we were talking about the, not, your, your illness and uh, the voice that, that you've lost. I always sounded. Uh, so Ronan, uh, released in the year 1998. Uh, the tagline that they have here is... Wait, when is it from? 1998. Uh, your ally could become... The year 1998? <laughs> what is happening? Your what ally could been? become the year 1998. <laughs> A briefcase with undisclosed contents sought by Irish terrorists and the Russian mob makes its way into criminals' hands. An Irish liaison assembles a squad of mercenaries, or Ronan, and gives them the thorny task of recovering the case. Wait, does it say that? Uh, does it say, or Ronan? Yeah, or, uh, and then single quotes, lowercase r, Ronan. Can we... That can sucks, we, can man. We, <laughs> man. Oh, I kind of wanted to boo you when you did that. Yeah, we, uh, I like, thought that that was an addition Cody was doing, yeah, and I was I like, ah, Cody shut up, man. Can we, can we talk for a second about how Letterboxd, like, synopses are exclusively written by people who, like, already currently love the movie in 2019 and aren't, like, reflective of how the movie was actually positioned? Yeah. Like, like yeah. that. That's yeah. clearly a 2019 reading of mm. of. To be Rome. fair, I mean, Wikipedia is the same thing. I feel like but that of. was written by whoever wrote all the trivia on IMDb for that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Just whoever, like, whoever the like world's biggest fan of Ronin is. Yeah, like, yeah. They probably also wrote down. I bet I didn't read the trivia that in depth, but when Jean Reno says professionals, I bet that they there's a trivia comment like. Jean Reno was in a movie called Leon the Professional. Yeah, Leon the Professional. <laughs> this page last edited by R. De Niro. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, they will know. Has anybody asked uh, Robert De Niro what he feels about uh, Ronan? Today? I would be fascinated yeah. to know. 21 years I mean, later, how do you this... feel about Ronan? I think Dan noted uh, late 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 era De Niro is wild. So I think in the in the pantheon of De Niro movies, compared to things like Meet the Fockers, like oh this this movie is not even scratching the sort of surface no. of the depths of late era De Niro. They're not all the Irishmen. I feel like he's still trying pretty hard in this one. I mean, not. Yeah. Pr- I, I should rescind that. He's he's kind of trying. Like he's 
he's getting to Anthony Hopkins like no acting required level, but he's close. <laughs> it's, it's very true. All the early on scenes where he's asking about like the ins and outs of the heist, he's really like off screen talking to the screenwriter. It's just like, okay, well, what's in the case? How heavy is it? Are there like <laughs> where are the bad guys stations? Who are the bad guys? Yeah, what are we off, doing? Here? Off screen on a box, he's just like, no, no, no. You gotta you just pay attention to the screen. Let yeah, me go this out. uh this movie it has a lot in common and it sort of is is spiritual cousins to a bunch of other movies we've seen at the trial on like uh um Mathau in Hopscotch or um <laughs> Honor it's Among Thieves racist. at the uh, the 10th th- anniversary it just oh. it's just about a guy who's like clearly 15 years too old for this role yeah. and then like kind of try to like maybe skirt it a little bit but not really and it's just like Bobby what are you doing but like, what are you doing in this movie? Like, he looked like You're a, shambling around, looking like an X-wing pilot during that car chase <laughs> sequence. He's like, he's like, like crouched back, and he's like, got this, like, stay on target, look on his face, and it's like, man, he's struggling. And he starts necking with uh, it's rough, Deirdre's man, mood. and then she she rude. actively goes on top. I mean. She takes like, control. Forgive me for getting a little blue here, but do you think that they had sex there? <laughs> uh, how know. much time did they have? They were on a stakeout, like. They were distracted, thoroughly distracted. I would have loved to have seen that scene because it just would have been him wow. like repeating the same phrase over and over again. It's like, I bring up the map, bring up the map. Uh, uh, you're, you're on my knee. You're on my thigh. You're on my thigh. Yeah, yeah, shift weight, shift weight. Shift weight. I can't wait. Like, that's, that was his whole character in this movie. It's just like Robert De Niro is going to be here and he's going to be making sounds. He's just the camera. Like, everybody he's basically like, just giving direction to everyone. Yeah. yeah, this like white noise underneath. It's like you'll see like a, a nice skyline of, of Nice or Paris, and then you can almost hear Robert De Niro under it being like, so where are we going? How many of them and uh, dems are they going to be? Uh, this is not a De Niro impression. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, you're killing it. If I, yeah. I had my eyes closed there for a second. <laughs> it's like I he's thought, here. It's, I thought he took a break from updating IMDb trivia and was in the room. <laughs> His part-time job is acting. So, so, uh, should we? Oh, you did a, a pod summary, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of. Should we? <laughs> well, let's talk about the characters who yeah. appear in this, who are introduced in this movie. Of course, we have Robert De Niro as Sam, sort of a, a an ex CIA. Right. Oh, Wiki- Wikipedia Do calls you think him that. It's Sam, like short for samurai. Ooh. Oh, God, Jesus! <laughs> I never even thought Whoa. of it. I'm gonna die. I'm gonna I'm commit seppuku. Seppu what? Seppu what was that? It wouldn't be um, the fir- real quick. Hopefully, um, tangent. It wouldn't be the first time this director has done something like that. Really? Um, Reindeer Games. Oh uh, God, Rudy. <laughs> protagonist yes. name oh. is Rudy. <laughs> Jesus. Oh man. Anyway, uh, so no, so you're saying that that's canonical? It had that has to be it the has choice. To, it has it to was same as in Samurai. You're so right. I just good clicked catch. on that. I can't Such believe that. Such a good catch, though. I'm, <sighs> I'm frustrated. Uh, I don't even know how to go. Well, that's well, been that. Ronan. I'm uh, sorry. Thank I, you. I should have so, saved that. Thank you, Dan, for no, coming out. Yeah. Everybody, listen to uh, everything we learned. Um, Sam is an ex-CIA uh, special ops uh, black ops guy who's hired along with three other, three or four other mercenaries to um, help the IRA track down this case with unidentified contents uh, in it. Yeah. Well, he's not helping the IRA. He's the, an, an Irish person who's hired him. Right. But We find out at the end of the movie okay. it was the IRA. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Well, he's not working IRA. with the IRA. He's, he's working with uh, an Irish sort of criminal faction. Right. Um, After a fashion. Yeah. Uh, and, and he is... Um, I guess De- Deidre is. I'm sorry. So you're right. I, I don't know why I'm interrupting you. Contracted <laughs> with uh, three or four other mercenaries to track down this case. Um, 
Among them are Jean Reno as Vincent. Vincent. Yep. Thank you. Uh, Sean Bean as. Spence. 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 His that ever. I don't think anybody calls him his character. His character's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Some guy Sweaty Spence, Blair. they call him. <laughs> Shaky Spence. Sweaty Spence. He exists only in close-up. I, I, Spewing Spence. I'm going to yep. fucking die behind this microphone. Uh, we've also got Stellan Skarsgård as Gregor. Which again, like, if you're gonna give it spoilers, I guess, but like the the KGB uh, ex operative a name, Gregor is maybe the most on the nose possible name that you can give him. It's like oh, I know one thing about that whole situation. <laughs> um, and then there's uh, Skip Sudith as Larry, uh, the, the driver. <laughs> Dude, again, I don't know if we ever heard Larry. Like, I couldn't tell I you that. As, after he's dead, I think they after say, he's dead, why'd you, right. you kill Larry? Why'd you kill Larry? Why'd you do it? Why'd you kill him? Why'd you do it? This is maybe my favorite depiction of a heist in a movie because every crew needs the guy who a makes you breakfast and b drives. And like, yeah, that's, that's, that's nobody else wants to do. That's does. a really good yeah. point. Is that this this movie does position itself so fervently as a heist movie? Mm-hmm. Like, I it was so clear to me that it was like it was like a, a Blades in the Dark or like the Sprawl or Fiasco game. Like, it was like a mm-hmm. it was like a D and D heist game right from the top. It was like I can see all of the player characters here. It's like Spence is like the oh. weapons man, and then there's like Sam the samurai, uh, street samurai, and uh, like the experience. Deirdre, the experienced agent who's been on the, he's done yeah. this a million right. times before the wizened old man he's and seen it all they lean so hard into that from the start where like like all of the all of these operatives meet up and they go to this undisclosed God, they location they meet at a bar even they meet um. at a bar and then they go to the like baby driver warehouse where uh, you <laughs> yep. meet up and yeah, you're like do. like planning to like lie low I guess because they all have to like sleep in this place which is also weird to me because like that's never I don't know well it, um, it starts out as uh, as that like sort of worn concept of the like you have the archetypical characters you have yes. the gunman you have the experienced old wizard man you have the driver you have the, the fixer I, I think Vincent could uh, Vincent is the as, fixer, yep. the fixer. Yeah. he uh, says he's the tour guide you have the uh, demure uh, leader, uh, well, like contractor of the group, who's not the, really revealing motivation. Yeah, she's mysterious. She's working for powers that be that are higher up. Right. She can't reveal uh, all well, of these things. She can't about reveal the case. anything yeah. about the case. Who hired them? Why? What's in the case? Etc. Uh, and then, like slowly, one after the other, it just like stops being. Oh, that you also have the tech guy, though. Right, Gregor. Gregor, the tech man. Oh, I forgot. Te- yeah, Gregor, the tech man. He's the one who's like, right, turn right during the first <laughs> car chase. Which again, Cody's right. You need a guy. You need a guy who's you in, need the van, the guy in the van. Who's like, turn right, and then you're like, <laughs> okay, and then you almost hit somebody. Uh, and for some reason, has incredible reflexes. Is it just because he was it's a kid? Because they agent? die hard, Jason. Is it weird that when there was that scene where we established he had good reflexes, I thought he was going to be a robot. <laughs> you thought this was an alien situation where was, he was fucking the hot, bishop. The hot coffee burns his skin off of his hand, and he's just like <laughs> he stares Mendo, at it. It's the Mendo, intersection Mendo of so many genres. I figured, why not? I would be into that actually. Yeah. Stellan Skarsgård is a robot, yeah. dude. Stellan Skarsgård as a his acting Soviet was a little robotic. Ooh, ding ding. Intentionally, Stellan Skarsgård, come on the pod. Stellan Skarsgård, come on the pod and explain to us how you expected us to believe that you would beat Robert De Niro in a foot race. And explain uh, Thor Dark World to me while you're at it. I'm going to put my flag (laughs) in the ground here. On second thought, don't do that. And say absolutely nobody used the phrase come on the pod ever again. Ever again. 
come on the pod? Jason. Would you just say be on our podcast? Please? Jason, come on the pod. <laughs> Listen, you don't know what I'm doing in here six hours after every recording. I say I'm editing. It's late, folks. I'm coming it's on late. the pod. Don't hold everything. this against him. We're moving on. We're, We're moving, moving on. Uh, slowly <laughs> it stops being like the archetypes because I would say that the first time that it really shows that is when uh, Sean Bean's character leads them to uh, their first meetup where they're going to get weapons for the job. And it, every, things go south. Uh, the wizened old man realizes there's a sniper in the corner. Things go to hell. They get the guns, but they leave in sort a, of a with fascinating the scene. I, it, I mean, it's not a fascinating scene conceptually or plot-wise because you've seen it a hundred times before. I think you've seen pretty much everything in this movie a hundred times before. Uh, not that that's a huge problem, but like... Um, but <laughs> I don't know. There's there's one scene in particular I've never seen before. <laughs> Ooh, okay. We'll get into it. But um, it's it's the classic, like, there's a meetup. Everybody knows, including the audience, that things are going to go to hell, and then they do. Um, but it takes like six minutes to get there. It does take a long time to get there. It's also a really interesting scene because it's so clear that everybody in this scene also knows that things are going to go wrong. Like, our boy Spence, Sean Bean, is sweating. Like, that dude, <laughs> that dude has never been this anxious about anything in his life before. He's like, give me the money. Give me the fucking yeah, money. And, 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 like, completely losing his shit, which, you know, uh, that is a... It, it's um, established in the plot. It turns out that he's a liar. Like, he doesn't have the background that he thought that he was claiming to have. Um, Sam reveals that later on. Um, so it makes sense that he's freaking out. But everybody sort of is. Um, when we got to that scene, I don't know how you guys were feeling about this, but I thought that... And and this is maybe a, um, a weird problem that I had with the movie based on unfair preconceptions. But when I went into this movie, I was fully expecting, like, a Robert... Bassan, like moody, uh, sparse, pared down mm-hmm. uh, crime thriller, tragedy sort of thing, right? Like Les Samurai, which I guess if if we're if we're being honest, that is how stupid I am. Is that I was like, <laughs> oh, crime movie? It's called Ronin. What's that other crime movie? Oh, Les Samurai, same movie. <laughs> that must be exactly the same. So I came to this movie with that expectation. Uh, obviously, this movie is not that. Um, I don't think that's that's stupid of a take. I thought Stellan Skarsgård was going to be a fucking <laughs> robot, dude. Like <laughs> that's a better yeah. take. Uh, but but what was interesting about this scene to me is is what I thought that they were setting up, which is I I honestly thought that they were trying to be subversive because the first scene where these characters are introduced has so much bravado that all of these characters like there are these these quick cuts, these really rapid cuts between all of the characters at at these weird Dutch angles uh, inside this warehouse, and they're all just saying the most generic like uh, machismo uh, action hero bullshit to each other without any setup whatsoever. They're like, so how'd you get into this job? And like the whole point of asking that question is so you can deliver one-liners. Right. Uh, do you remember any of those? Like any of the really rough ones from the beginning? I think the beginning is probably the worst example of I this, mean, right? I mean, so many of the scenes are just, it's all one-liners. Mm. Yes. And then Especially they got, Sam's character, right? And then they got yeah. tired of writing one-liners and then we're just like, eh, we went to high school together. Yeah. We're just like... That actually worked better for me. But It, it did. But like... Yes. like all of these characters, they're so obviously inhabiting their roles. It's This is a weird pull, but it, it reminded me almost of Green Room, <laughs> where, like, at, wow. in the beginning of Green Room, uh-huh. the, the punks are so entirely, like, consumed with their performance of being punks, of being tough guys. And, like, the whole point of that movie is that that veneer drops off. Like, it has to fall away for them to survive. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie, it, it, it felt as planned and as staged as all that, right? Where, like, all of these characters were, like fully inhabiting these macho man stereotypes right. of and being it, like hardened criminals. And it falls apart for um, Sean. Sean Bean, yeah. 
Spence? Uh, Spence. Sweaty Spence. Sweaty Spence. <laughs> Sorry, Spence. I, I was, was trying about to... to call him Spud. I was like, Spud. <laughs> I don't That'd think it's Spud. I don't Spud. Think it's Spud. The, way, the way that character gets shit on, he might as well have been called Spud, right? <laughs> Dude, the entire, every scene is just shit on It's on rough. Yeah. <laughs> it's, on I was like, man, did he like piss somebody off during the filming of this? It's, he acts like a total piss ant throughout the whole right, thing. But, like, but that's, but that's sort of like part of his... Part of his character, part of what he's embodying. And like, that's what I thought the, the, the kind of idea of this movie was. Again, I was looking at this movie to subvert something. So I thought that when the thing, uh, when the, the initial meetup goes south, I thought that that was a seed that they were planting. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, you've seen how these criminals believe this criminal underworld works and who they are for inhabiting it and and the sort of dangerous, uh, amoral, uh, op- high-level operators that they are. Now you get to see what it really is, mm-hmm. which is a bunch of like middle-aged men pissing their pants in this like really it, it felt it like red is embarrassing right like that whole meetup was it was like oh god there they are get them i don't want to yeah. go in there i'm not going to go like, in there wh- i'm not going to go why in there why did you go to the second car like yeah. what buffoon goes it was to the like, second like, car immediately like like nobody had a plan everybody freaked out later on robert de niro's character is like wow look at them uh when when they're talking about the security guards they're like look at those security guards go nobody panics they go for the case they go for their employer these guys are pros and i was like so if you know that why did you act the way that you acted back a while ago uh but all that is to say sorry that was a long tangent but uh that's not actually what this movie ends mm. up doing uh but i was sort of interested in charting that out like right. right up until like maybe the third act of this movie i thought that that was the idea of the movie hmm. is that like oh that's a long time to hold on to that perception yeah <laughs> i'm really shocked that you held on to i that. tried man i don't and and i did i did have that that dialogue in my head where i was like oh i think i'm I think I'm imparting something onto this movie that mm-hmm. isn't there. Well, but like I thought that the whole idea of Sam Robert De Niro's character was that the the sort of quote unquote roaniness of him is that he understood how sort of inherently ridiculous and um, pathetic this lifestyle was, and and how it, it was like there's no honor among thieves. Um, and how he is just a desperate operator trying to get by and there's no sort of mythology to his character and he is not mm. this sort of like badass that everybody wants he's him just to be. an old man in a turtleneck right that's not actually what this movie is doing right at it all. is it is it is mythologizing him directly yeah, right? because like it never hardcore. does it never does dive into his backstory like rule number one is whatever and then rule number two is like he doesn't remember he's not allowed to say what he used to do like where he comes from yeah well and Uh, and and to spoil it right uh and this was something that i had a huge problem with he is working for the cia right the whole time Mm -hmm. the whole time the end of the movie reveals that that the ronin is a lie that that actually when he has this fucking speech with uh the model maker who's just a weeb i guess who's just like <laughs> hanging out in his house building the 47 ronin uh that that everything that that guy said and analyzed about his personality is true is that like he he is a samurai because he does believe in honor and he deserve he believes in serving a master and believes that that ser- the service of the master is what makes us more than we are so all of those things about sam that he denies that he says no the the 47 ronin they chose wrong except for what uh, that's that was bullshit. <laughs> that was part of his right. deep cover. Um, the, th- yeah. the moment at which that started to fall apart for me, that perception of the movie as something, I don't know. Something subversive? Word, yeah, to use the word again, subversive, was right when Spence is kicked out of the group. Because it's like, we're, we're, we're sort of separating the chaff from the wheat. Got to have the best guys. Got to have, like, the heroes. Got to have the pros on this job. And we can't have any fakers. We can't have any, like... Anybody pretending to be a, like good at their job? Yeah, it's got to be people who are actually good at their job, who are actually like 
operative badasses. And it just like that's where that perception completely fell right. away for me. That's when, a really good point because that the whole point of that scene is to characterize De Niro's character in opposition to Spence. That like, oh no, Sam is the genuine article. He's right. not like this guy. And Spence this, is the young right. pissant, right? Yeah. I think um if we're talking about when this movie fell apart for us in that way, I think it was when they, for me, when they finally got their hands on the case, like that whole sequence, it made me think of just like any Mission Impossible ripoff. Like this mm. was two years after the first Mission Impossible. Mm. I haven't read up a lot uh, on this movie in ad- like advance of this, but I'd be curious to know, you know, at the time how influential that type of movie was. And how much they just want, okay, Tom Cruise-led potential franchise starter. You know, we got Robert De Niro. Uh, Let's get him a a band of people. Let's bring in some side characters who, you know, oh, Sean Bean, he was in GoldenEye a couple years ago. Uh, Sean Renault was in Leon uh, a couple Mm -hmm. years back. Let's, you know, throw something together and, you know, let's just capitalize off this. Yeah, it it definitely, I think the idea behind it was um, cool, like, uh, guns in France sort of setting, uh, lots of car chases, and the Expendables before the Expendables, where it's oh, like yeah. some mm-hmm. action heroes, some like maybe not the that's best a good known. point, yeah. Uh, and obviously whittles that down to something that's not quite that. Yeah, but. I mean, Jean Reno is our... Yeah, Jean Reno is just straight up winking casting, right? It's yeah, like yeah. Oh, if you're gonna if you're gonna do an international spy thriller, like Jean Reno is the guy. Yeah. Which, you know, he's the best part of this movie, probably, because he's amazing right. and everything. But... Uh, he and uh, yeah. Sam have an interesting relationship. Go oh, ahead. yeah. Oh, I was just going to say we're talking about good things. This movie, I think, does have redeeming stuff. Jason, you mentioned car chases. There are mm-hmm. some great car chases. I some think really good car chases. The car chases are, like, the only reason to watch this, I think. That and I liked the Coliseum scene. Yeah. I don't know. I like a good Coliseum scene. Like, when, <laughs> yeah, the guy, were... when they go over the railing, I, I got a real kick out of that. Yeah. It, was very, it was pretty funny. And, like, in a, in a way, it wasn't really supposed to be. But, again, like, Robert De Niro and uh, Skarsgård fighting. And it's like, these are your actions. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is this your king? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, also, man, uh, civilian casualties out the fucking oh water. So fucking I couldn't believe it. it the, the amount of collateral damage in this movie... Uh, people get caught in every crossfire. Think, yeah, you and I were both like gasping. At I couldn't believe like, it. Audibly, I was like, like holy the, the shit. second car chase where they're going through that tunnel and just there's straight up a shot of the the IRA guy shooting a guy and it's just a guy yeah. in a car and yeah, he gets right. shot. <laughs> he like flips over, car starts on fire, yeah. blows up, like, and it was insane. Straight right. up, our heroes firing machine guns into crowds of people. Yeah, and yeah. people just Streets like crumbles. Just yeah. A, yeah. a crowded Nice side market and it's just everyone so it's getting blasted apart and, and like which I get, again like that was something that I thought was building towards a reading right. and like, then it was like oh no like, actually our hero is just the fucking CIA yeah. like it makes a different statement sort of <laughs> unintentionally but it's like hey motherfucker like your deep cover ain't that deep like you can't just kill civilians <laughs> like what are you doing I can't believe none of them wear masks in this movie for the whole yeah. fucking movie like again they just break out gunfights in the middle of Nice, in the middle of Arles, and they're just, like, nakedly firing upon the Russian mob. It's, uh... It's uh, not a subtle movie at all. My favorite my favorite shot in the movie by far is um, they do a variation of the fruit cart scene during the first car chase through Nice, um, <laughs> where before... 
before we see the carts themselves, it just cuts from this this dramatic car chase to just this cart full of fish, and the cam <laughs> oh the camera oh, just yeah. lovingly pans down on the fish, and I'm just like, oh shit, let's go! And then yeah, not three seconds later, the car just slams right through the f the fish fly everywhere, people are diving out of the way, and it's just like fuck yeah, uh, you know, uh, there's some good stuff to this movie, I guess. Yeah, it is enjoyable. Yeah, they got um, they did get sloppy in some areas. Uh, it was very evident early on that this movie was an unintentional treasure trove of all of the universal like audio cues, like sound bites that you've heard <laughs> many oh, times I before. Think, I think like like fifteen minutes into the movie, I leaned over to Jason and I was like, "That music is not a bit." Huh. <laughs> like I, I really thought that the like the like weird like like Eastern like uh, uh music Yo, was like there was like this kind of roaring like yeah. that, that I, I heard started hearing years ago around the same time when like the uh, reality show Survivor was first coming out. It's, they used that on the show. <laughs> Uh, and they they used it like multiple times over f like f a five minute period. They used it like a dozen yeah, times. The audio design, is uh, else. truck horn on a highway, uh, burr, burr. rooster crowing, hawk, <laughs> the uh, hawk, yeah, hawk they sounds. Use, they use that hawk sound twice in that same shot. Squeaky door opening. There's so fucking Which, many. That that hawk repeating the sound was really funny because it, it like it's it's so much the audio ethos of Ronin itself. Where it's like if you didn't hear this the first time, don't worry, dude, we've got you because we're gonna. <laughs> say it 16 more times uh the worst part of this movie is when they're when they're trying to do the like these characters are actually really uh intelligent and understand the way the criminal mind works and the way that the underworld works they're trying to figure out where gregor would go after oh, his case God. happens and they go back to this bar and they they're like trying to piece it together through gregor's psychology and he's like uh he had a case he had a case. He had a case. He didn't have time. Where'd the case come from? Why, how'd he get the case? Uh, how'd he get the case? He didn't have time to make the case. He couldn't have made the case. Where did he get the case? This Where is almost the case? not an exaggeration. I, this literally, is this exactly is what happens. What and then it, where could it, it be? Where could like, it be? Where could it be? Where could it be? This, he this literally is all says it, from the script. Right. Yeah. I'm reading the script directly. Right <laughs> and, then, and then, like, it cuts from Robert De Niro doing this to John Renault. And, uh, John Renault. And there's, like, a pregnant pause. And then John Renault is like, where was the case? He didn't have time to have the case. Uh, where did the case come from? He he must have uh, spray painted the case or something. I'll go ask them about the case. What's happening with this case? It's There's like, a case that looks kind of like that case. Maybe they know where the case is. And this is the case? this is throughout the the movie. Is that like part of Robert De or uh, yeah De Niro's um like badassness? Is that he is the the person who knows what's happening and he knows what's going on. The way that they communicate that, like we said earlier, is that he's just talking constantly. Right. Well, and, and like in that, that's the central concept of his character, right? Is that he's like, he is the fallback, like the smart one of the group. He is like the steady ostensibly, rock. ostensibly, <laughs> and then and then it comes to like they're looking for the Russians, and none of them realize that the world's most talented and fa famous ice skater, a Russian, is making an appearance that evening in the city. They don't notice that until a mechanic points it out for them. Literally, it's there's a billboard, and he's like, you know, if I wanted to find a Russian, I would go there. And then they just turn, <laughs> like, the uh, like, they like turn and yeah. <laughs> Uh -huh. um, this is it's it's frustrating, right? Because it's a script that I think legitimately thinks it's smart. It does things that a lot of scripts that think that they're smart do, which is that uh, they have characters point out how clever the script is. Where like they'll say something and catch somebody in a trap, and then they'll point out that they did it. They'll be like, like uh. it'll show like like Robert De Niro puts down his coffee and then backs Sean Bean into the coffee. And the moment the coffee spills, he 
grabs his gun and then he's like, you see what I did there? I, I got the coffee. I ambushed you with the coffee. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, I fucking saw it. Like, you don't have to say that shit. There's so many careful shots of De Niro placing things <laughs> in, a, in a scene and you're just like, oh, I wonder what he's going to do with that. Like a minute later. It will pay off, and then he'll explain what he just did. <laughs> You're right. That happens like three times. That's There's the camera scene, too, which is so funny oh and God. so bad. Because, again... I, the camera scene, I think, is the like the most insane scene. I couldn't believe how much time he spent setting it up. Yeah. Uh, so walk us through it. What like where, what were they... They were trying to get a picture of the guards, right? Like, of the They guard. want to get an idea of the setup that they have to deal with. And mm-hmm. so they... De Niro's frustrated and impatient, and so he goes to where they're staying with the, hotel, the case. Yeah. And they're scoping out the scene. They see the people with the case leaving the hotel. He then grabs a random man and says, hey, can you take a picture with me and my wife? Uh, we want to we <laughs> go over here and make sure to get, the, get this uh, palm tree in the background. We want to make sure people know we're on the coast. And just keep taking <laughs> pictures. Just keep taking pictures. And then keep, take pictures of my wife alone. I'm just going to go over. And he, he carefully then takes a It's like a, a sign, road sign, yeah. That, like a random sign that said, I, I thought that the sign was supposed to say something meaningful oh. when they because pa- they cut to it as <laughs> yeah. they're going into the hotel. Oh, yeah. He then grabs it, puts it up against like a lug- luggage cart, and he grabs a bellboy. It's just like, hey, take my bags up all right, right away. And then he comes back. He's just like, now I want to get pictures of you with my wife. And then this is all essentially to get pictures of how the response team operates when an emergency happens where the sign tips over knocks the luggage cart towards them. They all react like they just heard a fucking gunshot. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's like, get the president out of here. <laughs> it's incredible. And then it go, then it goes back to the hideout where they then spend time piecemealing the photos. What you've just seen, yeah, right. also. Uh, there's, there's a lot of that. There's just a lot of, uh, in my opinion, like, I, I think that a lot of the dialogue in this movie reads like it's <laughs> like a... Uh, and I, I'm sorry, I know that this, this guy's a, a famous writer, uh, the guy who who co-wrote this uh, script, right, was... Um, David Mamet. David yeah. Mamet, yeah. The playwright. A, lo- a lot of this, it, like, again, like, it was, I thought it was a parody. Like, I really thought, especially in the first act, but throughout the movie, that Robert De Niro's character was, like, a parody of an over-the-top mm-hmm. CIA guy. Because, like, the lines that they have him say, that, like, De Niro, like, God love him is like doing his best to say it's like a it's like a freshman script like writers attempt mm-hmm. to do like a uh, Hammett novel or something right like it's it's wild um, yeah there's uh, sorry go ahead yeah. oh I was gonna pivot slightly yeah um, please we're talking about this this galaxy brain screenplay uh, <laughs> and, and against uh, spoilers we never find out what's in the case uh, they the I, they do a Pulp Fiction thing where they, they try to tell you that that's something that you've been desperate to know. Yeah. Where, like, at the end, Jean Renault is like, so, I never underst- or I never learned what was in the case. Yeah. And he's like, I don't, I don't remember. And I was like, oh, was I supposed to care about what was in the case? Because yeah. I literally never thought about <laughs> right. it. Like, they're thumbing our no- their nose at us and just like, well, like, I don't know. What did you expect? We have seen Pulp Fiction. We know how this is going to work out. <laughs> but uh, I'm curious, what did you all think was in the case? I straight up thought the case was empty. Okay. I, yeah. I didn't think there was anything in there. Yeah. Marcel, Marcellus Wallace's soul, maybe. There we go. Uh, or the, uh, the like, just straight up, pure, uncut, 
ura- or uranium from Kiss mm. Me Deadly. <laughs> if you've seen that movie where, like, they open the box and it, like, melts your flesh like the Ark of the Covenant. It's the end of the world. I thought that maybe the IRA had, like, the good shit, like the, the pure, uncut uranium shit that they were looking at. Yeah. Uh, Jason, what do you think? What do I think was in there? Yeah. Yeah, uranium. Uranium. Uh, I have two thoughts. Uh, one, um, friendship. Uh, because uh, Robert De Niro and John Renault are, are best buds at the end <laughs> yeah. of that. The real uh, Ronin were the friends we made along the way. Exactly. Uh, but the um, I think the the second and most feasible uh, answer to the the question of what was in the case was the uh, long lost director's cut of Event Horizon that was lost in the uh, the oh, Transylvanian. They found mines. it in the salt mines. Yeah, and then they put <laughs> it in the case. Uh, it's worth you know it's I mean it's priceless. It can like stop wars. It's uh, worth at least one hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, we should talk about some of the other characters in this, right? Yeah. Uh, like characters? No. <laughs> no. That's fair. That's fair. I, I don't know that we need to talk about some characters so much as I think we should talk about their relationships to one another. Like, sure. We keep coming back to uh, Sam and Vincent as characters, and it's like the closest thing this movie has to friends and how it – like it doesn't earn that. It just starts no. with that. Mm-hmm. I thought that there was backstory with them, but like – there is it. Prior to the beginning of this movie, they had never met. Yeah. They just both speak French, and they're both cool. Their meeting scene is amazing because it's the closest thing that I, I think that their relationship with one another is this movie's romantic plot, mm-hmm. yeah. which kind of works for well, me. They should have. They should have made out. Yeah. John Renault uh, yeah. lights his cigarette in the most sultry fucking well, and they're, way. They're like playing the fucking like Vangelis love theme from Blade Runner <laughs> when they first meet. It's like it's like the hardest that this soundtrack goes like this is a soundtrack mostly composed of like drums and like 90s like ah sound effects it's like an uncharted <laughs> thing and, but then like like you you introduce uh jean renault's character and like robert de niro's like getting up out of bed and he's groggy and like he oh hands him this cigarette and it's like morning what's handsome. going on right like there's some romance happening Are tingling you his suit to <laughs> bed <laughs> Later on, he pries the bullet out of his his wound, which, as we all know, is like one of the most romantic things that you can do in a movie. Uh, it's like a great. Or I guess, yeah, he does. He does it. He's receiving instruction as always. And then it from was fucking it, Sam. It, it went right over the top when he seals it up and stitches together uh, Robert De Niro's stomach, and then seals it with a kiss. Just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a weird scene. He said he was sucking the poison out, but there was no poison at yeah, any like point it, during this. He was covered in Teflon. Not he just poison. kept saying it. He was like, "I got to get the poison out." And he's like, "What poison? What are you talking about? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing down there?" <laughs> uh, uh, that does lead t- to the best line in the movie, right? Uh, which is when uh, you, one of you can set it up and, and say it. I don't remember even how it's set up, but like oh, okay. you're talking uh, about how it's, he's. It's after uh, Sam um, dig, or Sam instructs uh, Vincent to dig the bullet out of him uh, when they're in their safe house with the the weeb at the mm. weeb's house, uh, and um, he pulls the bullet out successfully. And then Sam is like, "So you think you can stitch me up on your own?" And he he sort of nods and he goes. All right, great. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to pass out. <laughs> Which is pretty <laughs> and funny. Yeah. And then That's he gently closes his eyes. Yeah, he drifts off. That's me to myself whenever I'm out of the house past 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> he gently drifts off to the sound of soft sax. Then we fade back in uh, yeah. on the French countryside. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, that uh, Vincent and, and Sam are interesting, and it's sort of uh, – in in sort of classic movie heist parlance, it's it's 
Vincent operates as a um, an example of how Sam is different from everyone else uh, because Vincent is a character with a soul. He's mm. sort of a, a local. You get the you get the sense that he hasn't been involved in the criminal enterprises to the same extent that these other people have been. Yeah, exactly. And that leads me to something I was talking about with Dana in the car. I might have missed something, but beyond being paid, what else does Vincent have? What skin does he have in this game except being like good friends with? With Sam. Beyond being in love? You know... Beyond, yeah, his one true... I didn't even understand. Oh, I guess it's only revealed at the end, but, like, for most of this movie, I could not track Sam's motivations. I was like, wait, so their employer, their ostensible employer, Deidre, the IRA operative, he thinks that she's betrayed them. They're selling this case to the Russians now, or Gregor, who has also betrayed them. A lot of betrayals in this movie. It's kind of the point. Um... That's why Sam's different, because he's an actual friend with Vincent. No masters, um, baby. Yeah. Uh, but so why were they still there? Like, like what is their end game when they get this case? I couldn't figure it out. Um, uh, and then it's eventually revealed that right. he that Sam was always a cop, uh, which sucks for this movie. Uh, and he just wanted to kill Shame or bring Seamus to justice because the moment that Seamus dies, the main character Jonathan Price, oh the conflict gosh. between Northern Ireland and Ir- and Southern Ireland is over. <laughs> the movie <laughs> wraps up with a bow in the most baffling way ever. Yeah. yeah. Complete left field. Like oh, Out of nowhere there's just a voiceover. It's a slow pan into the bar from the start of the movie <laughs> and it's just a news announcer saying that the tensions between Northern Ireland... I, citing the death of uh, IRA terrorist Seamus, Seamus O'Toole. O'Toole or O'Malley or something. Or Rourke. I, I, did, like, I yeah. did like the part where they're like, I, the IRA had actually denounced this dude because it's like, holy shit. Like, this guy, the IRA is like, nah, that guy's too extreme for us. Well, it's, it's also a thing good, where like, it's like, how was he holding up peace talks and he wasn't involved. <laughs> That's a good point. When, like, they like immediately are like, this guy was actually a rogue terrorist operator, but also his death uh, completely like ended all conflict in this region. Thank you, Sam. Ladies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I love that Jonathan Price was in this movie. Uh, I can't help but feel like he was miscast. Like he's such a weird, like every all roads leading back to him. And also he... Man, if you're gonna have your like supreme villain be punching Stellan Skarsgård, don't pick like 130 pound <laughs> Jonathan Price. Yeah, for real, I don't understand that. They at had all. him. All, it was smart in this movie to keep him like in a f- six or seven layers of clothing at all times. <laughs> he's, he's, he's wearing just like a three children jacket. in a trench yeah. coat. He's wearing like a puffer Stellan jacket Skarsgård. and a suit jacket and a hat and yeah. stuff. He just he looks like a normal sized person at that <laughs> at that point. But like yeah. he is like six five yeah. and 125 pounds. Yeah. It's it's funny too. Like he doesn't. Except for his, I guess, ruthlessness in killing the driver, um, that he's never established as a particularly scary villain, right? No. He, like, flits in and out of the movie. It turns out that he's Deidre's employer. But, like, he doesn't do any, like, really, like, dark shit, right? Uh, in fact, Gregor does, who ends up not being the actual main bad guy. He has a, a ridiculous and, and, in my opinion, pretty stupid scene. We should talk about that scene. Yeah. Uh, you want to set it up? Uh, so... Once this Gregor, is Gregor, uh, Stellan right. Skarsgård's character. Stellan Skarsgård, as Gregor, has uh, betrayed the team by stealing the real um, case uh, while they were uh, uh, after apprehending the, it After the Arles. ambush, uh, after they've, they've, they've taken out the guards that had the case, they had taken the case, but during the ambush, at a key point, Stellan Skarsgård happens to be the only person near the case, and during that, he pulls the old switcheroo and replaces it with a bomb. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to just pause right here, just pump the brakes, because... Th- 
we we all talked about the moment that lost us in this. Okay. And what got me was the the moment where De Niro and Deirdre are leaving, and then it just shows someone spray painting what seems to be a window. I thought it was a window too. And wait, it wasn't a window. It was, was the, the case. case because Yo. later on, De Niro realizes he has paint on his hand. Yeah. And that's when he realizes it's the switch it's, case it's a and he really, throws it. It's an unparsable movie trend. It's, it's like one of the yeah. worst. truly baffling. I, I, thought it, I thought it was like they were spray painting windows so that nobody could see in. I thought – what I thought was Sean Bean. I kept <laughs> – yes, everyone, yes. everyone had a, a stupid thought that they, they thought was going to pay off in this <laughs> that's movie. That's true. Yeah. And I truly believed that they were not going to waste Sean yeah, Bean. Yeah, you're like, yeah. when's my boy Bean coming back? back? He had Every, the break for uh, Lord of the Rings filming. I straight up when – the, when they get to the Coliseum and there's the one bald-headed guy and the guy in the beanie, I kept thinking the guy in the beanie was Sean beanie? Bean. Beanie? <laughs> ah. And it was not. The signs are all there. The the case switcheroo when 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 that is revealed to be what was spray painted, I was like, wait, what? That was where I was just like, oh, okay, this movie's just gonna be. I I honestly didn't even like. I didn't process that Stellan Skarsgård's character had betrayed them until like the next scene when they were like, Stellan Skarsgård's character has betrayed us. I was like, oh, that's what happened. That's why that bomb was there. It's weird like, that they put that exact line. Yeah, in the movie, Robert De Niro couldn't be bothered to remember the characters' names. <laughs> hey, we gotta go, John Reno. <laughs> John Reno. He's also you know he's John, he's Robert the De Niro. He's John gonna, Reno. Don't you forget it. Uh, P.I. But, yeah. So, anyway, um, Stellan Skarsgård's character, Gregor, has betrayed the, the squad, the team. Right. And he meets up with one of the Russians to sell it to them. Uh, the Russian... In, oh, to, like, wow. Before he's even, like, done any... Before he's received the money, he decides to take the man to a playground. <laughs> they park, like, maybe 30 yards away from this playground. And they, do, said, they do the exact same uh, um, setup payoff that they did with the fish cart in an earlier scene, where they show a bunch of kids playing in slow motion down the street, like like it's the Punisher, well, where it shows the the girl like like sliding down the slide, and I'm like, oh shit, these kids motion. are gonna get wrecked. This, mm-hmm. this is immediately following uh, Stellan Skarsgård saying, "I've got something I want to show you." Yeah, and then they drive, and there's this slow motion scene, uh, and he, I forget what even preamble he does, but he just like. Cocks his gun, this silenced gun in his There's elbow. There's like no like a just like, hey, check this shit out. And then he like sticks his gun out the window like he's going to shoot this little girl. He, um, and literally fires, fires a bullet that nobody notices because it's uh, the Russian pushes it out. Work, baby. The Russian pushes it out of his hands uh, and uh, and it misses. And he's but he literally says the words like, um, "I was about to do that to a girl. I don't even know. I don't particularly like you. Imagine what I might do it's, to it's you." It's like another example that I was talking about about this this movie wanting to prove to you personally how smart it is. Where it's like like the the Russian is like, uh, "Why did have you lost your mind? Why did you do that?" And Gregor goes to prove a point. And it's well, like, that's, okay. <laughs> like it goes it goes back to what you were saying. Where like you'll see the setup for the thing, the thing will happen, and then they will recap what just happened. Like that specific That's a scene, lot of what this that movie is the most, scripted. Mm-hmm. That, is the, that is the best example I can think of of what that, of, of that philosophy applied yeah. in this movie because you see the scary man basically approaching a, a playground. You see the scary man take the shot and try and kill a child, and you, know, you see the reaction of his Russian friend, and then he describes what just happened. He says, I almost killed that girl. Did you see me almost kill that girl? I might also kill you too. 
Like what? This is also we should point Who out. This? this is sort of an interesting aspect of this movie that this is a scene in which none of the ostensible main characters participate. Like this is sort of the the heel turn of Gregor. Mm-hmm. But Gregor had been a, a fairly minor role throughout this. He had just been one of the squad. Um, the the main characters in this movie, Sam and um, uh, Vincent, are sort of outside. Um, party to a lot of this they sort of like uh drift on the um outlier of the movie's plot like i said to the point where their motivations aren't even really parsable um except that they want to get paid is what uh robert de niro keeps saying except that doesn't even make sense because how how are you going to get paid right um but anyway so like there's there's a lot of betrayal and and everything that happens and that's how you um that's what they're trying to demonstrate, I, I guess. Mm, that's how they're trying to contextualize characters and motivations. It doesn't. It doesn't hold up until like the very end, like you said, when in a very hasty interaction between uh, Sam and Deirdre, he's like, "I wasn't after the. I wasn't after the case. I wasn't after you. I was after uh, Seamus." And it's like, and then he says, "Okay, don't you understand? I never left." And it's like again, like this script felt the need to spell that out. Yeah. Still did a pretty bad job of it because yeah. that's the only evidence that we have that he was ever part of the CIA. I accept that that like Vincent had put together somehow off screen that he was part of the CIA, and then his evidence for why uh, Robert De Niro's character couldn't still be in the CIA is like he was shot. If he was part of the CIA, he just would have called somebody and they would have taken care of him. And instead, he did it himself. It was like, bro, how are you that easily fooled? Like he's in love. I guess. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but but that that was like that was when I figured out that that probably Robert De Niro was still part of the CIA and the the air was let out of the tiger a little bit because it was like, that's the movie's justification? It thinks it's going to fool me with, oh, he, he had to dig out the bullet himself. It's like, yeah, dude, like, that's the easiest shit in the world. Like, and in every single uh, other undercover movie, there's a moment where the character has to do something really gnarly to prove that they're really in it and they're saved at the last minute, right? Like, even the latest uh, Mission Impossible does that. Um, and in this movie, the thing that he has to do and to prove that he's not in and it works is just, like, first aid on himself? <laughs> I mean, Harry, you're... You're sitting high and pretty up on your on your Iron Throne, but I, I always it am. straight up fooled me. I didn't <laughs> I didn't see that twist coming at all because every other yeah. every other reveal that they do in this movie is so heavy handed. That's fair and over yeah. the top where that was not set up in any way. And when he, he says it in a line where you're not even looking at De Niro's face, it's and it's it like ADR. Yeah. yeah. And it's like a last minute thought that they had almost for the movie where they're just like oh, actually wait what if we have him be still in the CIA the that's, whole time that's a really good point they like, just crush they, the story they, they wanted that to wow. they 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 uh frame that like it wasn't a big deal right like that it right. didn't change that, your reading of the movie that should be the the biggest reveal of <laughs> yeah. the movie and it makes no sense and why is he trying to trick Jean Renault cuz he who is Jean Renault he's just a guy he should be trying to trick everyone else and it's not set up in any way it straight up I, I was I was baffled when that happened. I, I, yeah. I like I think That's I audibly said what? It yeah. doesn't it doesn't read as subtlety though, it just reads as incompetence. It does, right? exactly. Well and, and like Dan said, like if you if you had the opportunity to make anything explicit the way this movie makes so much else that it doesn't need to make explicit, like painfully clear, uh it would be that, right? Because like despite what this movie seems to want, like 
Sam's status is absolutely the point of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's like integral to this movie's themes and ideas. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that that Ronin speech actually does apply to Sam is the central thesis of this movie. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that that it happens like you said in ADR a, a half second and then it's gone and it's it's spoken off camera to a character in in wild uh context at the climax of the movie is is deeply unearned. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's like the takeaway from this movie. Yeah. It doesn't, like, we were talking on the ride here about how it starts the movie without, like, putting any, any footwork to the characters to make you care about any of it. Uh, it jams a lot of plot into these characters right near the end, uh, and everything in the middle is just, like, pretty well shot, pretty well directed car chases. Two really, really fucking yeah. good yeah. car chases. Like, that second one in particular is great. There are, <laughs> yeah, It's such a competently made movie. Like, you look at every shot and you're like, this is well put together. I get they have a talented director Mm -hmm. and and cinematographer. Everyone's everyone's doing a good job. But, like, this this script, like, I feel like they just tapped Frankenheimer because it was like, you used to make movies like this. And Mission Impossible is really popular right now. You want to give it another go, and he's just like, "All right, (laughs) one last try." It's a movie that it it makes these broad gestures at movies that actually sort of are doing um, something real or sort of have the strength of their convictions to be to sit comfortably in their genre, and instead it kind of creates this pastiche of almost near miss Mm -hmm. uh, genre ideas that never really coalesce into anything coherent because they're trying to be like six different things. Uh, You brought up the first scene, which is like the (laughs) the most obvious Robert Besson scene of all. It's like something right out of Le Samurai or uh, The Red Circle where like, first of all, it opens with literally narration about samurai, exactly like Le Samurai Mm -hmm. does. Um, And this one is sort of hilariously better because it's just like Webster's Dictionary's definition of what a Ronin is. Well, it, it read like they grabbed the Wikipedia it summation yeah. of the movie 47 Ronin and they're just like, let's just slap that in here. Yeah. And, and they and bring up 47 Ronin later in the movie. 2015 too. movie by, with Keanu Reeves. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then, but that—that's the scene that—that's ob- so obviously Basan and, and what I thought was going to be the the character of the entire movie, where it's like a lot of really long shots and mm-hmm. like deep grounded establishment of mm-hmm. this world and this sort of gritty, um, dark underworld that these characters inhabit and move through in the shadows. Like right, like like there are these characters that that take up not very much space in the frame and they're sort of swallowed by the darkness and the dinginess around them and uh, we get we get a sense of the physicality of the bar and we spend a lot of uh, like a ridiculous amount of time mm-hmm. in this bar and there's like a lot of like low murmuring and intention it, it felt like army of shadows too uh, which was at the trial line a couple of years ago but mm-hmm. like that that was about like a um, a group of like um, saboteurs during uh, war time who were living in an occupied space and that's how it felt right it felt mm-hmm. like these are people um in the in the land of the enemy mm-hmm. uh, like moving in the shadows that that is abandoned literally after that first oh, immediately scene. yeah I, that first scene i loved i was I think so was on good. board and i was like this movie's gonna be great yep and then it cuts to them in that warehouse and it starts being baby driver yeah. and then it starts yeah. being and mission it's, impossible it's just and de niro eating like a peanut butter sandwich <laughs> and then they play this romantic music as john renault offers his, his, him a cigarette he puts it in his ear he then goes to sleep wakes up and is offered a new cigarette <laughs> yeah there's it's it's weird it's it's a lot of uh it, it's 
it's a lot of gesturing at things without the conviction to follow up on those things, yeah, I think. It eventually became an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie when when Robert De Niro pops out of the sunroof with a literal grenade launcher. Oh yeah, I, like, that happens I in this movie, about that? right? Like, thinking about what this movie was apparently going for, or like, and that's one of the things that I was, like, I don't know if it's just that, like, the tangent connection of uh, Japanese culture to this theme that, like, gives it sort of a more artistic flair. I don't know if it's that's the what they're marketing going for. Or the like reception, or what it is that gave me the impression that it was going to be what it what it was. Maybe it was because Robert De Niro was attached. So you sort of came to it with the same perception that I did. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen any of the movies you were talking about, uh, (laughs) *The Samurai* or uh, *The Red Circle*. But like that concept of it being somewhat smarter, somewhat more like tightly directed, tightly written. Uh, where it's not. It's not any of those things. It's literally just an action movie. I mentioned I, National Treasure to Cody on the way here. Wow. Uh, it's it's interestingly different, um, but but please go on. But that's the, that's the vein of what we're saying, right? Is that mm-hmm. we were, I don't think any of us were expecting a movie this dumb. <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all. I don't even mean that necessarily pejoratively. I just mean literally like capital D, like this is a dumb action movie. Mm-hmm. This is a movie you can put you can put on and turn your brain off. Like mm-hmm. there's a podcast that I love called We Hate Movies and I fucking love We Hate Movies. Yes, this is a hangover movie yep. to a T. Where you put it on and you can walk out of the room for 20 minutes and come back in and be like, oh, it's happening? Okay, yeah. Right. <laughs> which, you know, kind of maybe brings me to uh, one of my last points, which is that I don't hate this movie. I kind of yeah. had a lot of fun no, watching I kinda, it. I, I, yeah. I like quality versus my enjoyment of it. That's It's a really weird out of whack number. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that it's I, it's not a good movie. It's it's a bad stars. it's a bad movie yeah, yeah. Maybe. Uh, it's uh you know it's it's also like maybe I I was looking this is maybe unfair I was looking for reasons to be offended because I didn't think it was very good uh, this movie is like <laughs> deeply conservative in a way that the Basan movies weren't uh, because the Basan movies were actually about criminals and the the humanity in them. Uh, and this movie actually this like, movie is about a CIA agent. Yep, so it's, it's about a, actually about a criminal. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Ooh very good. Uh, yeah, Very we're good talking job. about the uh, the the dumbness of this movie. Uh, Jason, you brought up Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, <laughs> we're doing it. Uh, we're transitioning uh, to a, a recently added segment. Is that correct, Harry? Yeah, I don't remember what Aaron called this. We're going to have to come up with a, a name for it. The idea of the segment is that it's something it's something we're going to be doing for all of our films from now on. So <laughs> strap in if you're Jesus. into it, and uh, if you're not, you know. Uh, sorry. Um, but so we're thinking we're taking a scene from this movie and we're th- we're thinking, what if this movie were actually an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and Arnold got to say a one uh, one liner either immediately before <laughs> or after the scene? Uh, Jason, could you set up the scene in question that we uh, chose this this time around? Uh, we have chosen the ice skating scene, correct? Yes. So this is uh, one of the climax. One of the climactic scenes. We talked a little bit about, about how there, five how climaxes. There are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was literally. watching Return of the King, dude. Just like, I thought it was done. <laughs> oh, we're going to keep going. Wow, you're right. Yeah. I was Boromir back in this movie. <laughs> uh, oh, shit. Sean Bean, he came back. <laughs> uh, so they have finally fa- tracked the case and Gregor and the Russians back to the only Russian event in, in Paris at the time. <laughs> uh, and it is an ice skating uh, performance by the world's leading ice skater. And uh, while she is performing uh, down on the ice, there is a sniper who is uh, trained to, who has her gun trained on the um, skater. And if she doesn't receive a call, ensuring that Gregor is safe after the deal is done, she's going to kill the 
uh, skater. Now the idea here, uh, and then of course like Gregor is killed, and um, the ice skater is also killed, and right. But I, we're we're sniped in a real sniped. twist that I did not see coming, and this is what I mentioned earlier. Where this is a scene I have not seen before. I was like, I was taken aback seeing her that dummy get like blasted off the ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Although she, she really is, drops. There is another movie that came to mind. Uh, another Jean Claude Van Damme movie, Sudden Death. I don't Take, think I've seen that. Oh, it, it, it takes place entirely like in an ice arena, and uh, it, it hit me suddenly, and I was just like, oh, actually. It's basically Die Hard in a hockey rink. <laughs> Holy shit, that sounds, it's, awesome. that sounds it's pretty, pretty cool. good, actually. <laughs> Legit. Uh, pretty dope. So yeah. the concept of this segment now is uh, if Arnold Schwarzenegger were in the role of the sniper, what is the takedown line? What would What is the one-liner that precedes or immediately follows that kill? I think we all did three or four, right? I, I've only come up with two, so okay. somebody else needs to start. I've got three. All right, okay. and we're, gonna, we're also going to rank these and then determine which one was the best. Uh, we're going to sh- rank or rate? Uh, oh, a rate, and then rank. Be <laughs> ready to cross out ones as so we go. I'm who, sure we landed on many similar who's ones. Who's starting? Do we want to roundtable this, or do we want to... I cannot start, so... Okay. Uh, I, I, I'll start just so then we can make, brave, it, make it early. Baroque. This was sprung on me as we sat down, and the very first thing that Please. popped in my head was... Zambondu. <laughs> <laughs> Problematic right. implications. Yeah, yeah that's, certainly. That's a point in the Arnie column. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> good point, good point. Uh, I'm willing to give this a six. <laughs> Thank you. Which I'm, is strong, given... I'm going to go five. You're going to go five. I think, I think that's a five for me, too. Have we? Okay. I, I agree with those. I, I, <laughs> I straight up agree. This is a down-the-line one. But I, I, I got it. I was just like, this might be the only one that I think of, so I'm writing it down. You got to write them down as you think of them. <laughs> Certainly. What else you got? Next one. Oh, I'm doing all of oh, them right we'll, now? We'll round table it. I'll, I'll oh, go okay, around. Okay. This first one, I, I feel... Well, Dan got to set up his a little bit, but I, I always do a really straightforward one. And I, you know, this is the sort of thing that you would actually hear in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. He would take the shot, she would drop, and he would say, you're iced. So... That's, uh, yeah, that's are we judging one. on quality or arniness? Uh, we can do, do different columns. This will be the whole podcast. That's, that's, <laughs> that's very arniness. Yeah. It's, I would give that an eight for arniness, a four for quality. Yeah, that's, that's generous. Yeah, that's, um, six for the whole thing. I'm not going to do the separate <laughs> columns. I'm going <laughs> to merge them together. Yeah, I, I'm going to balance them out and do a five. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I understood. <laughs> you sound hurt. Like, you, you were... You were <laughs> no, I'm taking the criticism. You know, we're, we're working with... Harry, it. I'll let you know. You were, like, a ten for for Arnoldness. <laughs> I appreciate that's straight that. up an Arnold line. Yeah, certainly. Uh, can you repeat it one more time? I'm writing things down to make sure that I don't duplicate things I think later. what he said was, you're iced. You're iced. Okay, thank you. Um, thank you for taking the initiative, by the way, to do the accent. Nobody asked you to. <laughs> what? I, I don't understand. What accent? Um, yeah, you're nailing the uh, first De Niro, then Arnie. You're, you're nailing the voices. <laughs> Many voices, you know. Um, so I guess this would be before he takes the shot. Uh, he goes, your arm thin ice. <laughs> that was going to be one of mine. Sorry. I was going to say you're skating on thin ice. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, is, is, that's is that, better. Are we, do we have a war of... Mm. I think yours is better. Like, Yeah. I'm giving it a, a seven, seven, five. Can we just share that? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. 
If, okay. if you're sharing that, I, I'm going to give you a solid eight. Just the, the skating yeah. on thin ice wow, is really... We, we fucking did it. I mean, if that's you mainly get extra points just because I'm kind of mad that I didn't think of that one. <laughs> sure, certainly. Swish. Um, um, wait, was oh, that your... Do you want to do your second one then? My Oh, um... I guess you couldn't shave your own ice. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. A difficult one. I, <laughs> a challenger. I, I truly like that because it's very Arnie in how much of a stretch it is. Like, I <laughs> I feel like you pulled something on that one. Yeah. I want to give you some sympathy it's points, challenging. but I'm not going to. I'm going to give you a I three. I am so sore from how far I had to reach for this. Yes. I'll give you a four. If you did it in his voice, I could maybe... I would do five. I can do it. I'd you think I can do that now? You want to give it a shot? I, I can't do that now. <laughs> All right, okay, fine. You get the you five. Get the five. Yep. Thank you. All right. That's the five. All right. Uh, we're back around to Dan. You got another one, Dan? I do. Um, see you, skater. <laughs> <laughs> three. Three. I'm giving that a three. Oh, I don't know. I give that a five. Uh, you know what? Uh, that tickled me. I'm going to give that a seven. Damn. All right. All right. Skater die. I guess she chose. Now, skating, skater die generally refers to uh, yeah. like, uh, skateboarding, uh, but you know, <laughs> that's that's all. That's all I got. Is that uh, all what you uh, said? Uh, yeah, five. you made you made me wish that this were skateboarding instead of ice skating. So I'm going to dock you a couple of points. Damn it! Mm-hmm. Be so upset. Uh, I'll, I'll. Sorry, I got to go four. Fair. Cody, Cody? Um, we're doing three, right? Yeah. Sure. Um, so he takes the shot and then he goes, "Well, she's out cold." <laughs> you gotta love a good Mister Freeze pun. It's a it's a seven. It is wow. a seven. Okay. Yeah, that's a seven then. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Really hyped about that. Wow. All right, Jason, hit us. Yes. No more double axles. <laughs> that was kind of sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's a little bit of a... It's a she's, she's, being, she's being lowered into the grave. And he sadly goes, no more double axles. She'll never skate again. <laughs> a beautiful career cut short in its <laughs> I am the monster. <laughs> that's a six for me. Uh, six sounds good. Wow, that's really... That's a strong number. I'm, I'm giving it a five. Wow. Honestly, it's, it got bumped up because theirs baby. were higher than I thought it would be. Ooh. Sure. I, I just like, if I saw that in the movie, I'd be like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that, that emotion uh, elicited is of value to me. It's like, oh, he didn't even do a pun. That's <laughs> just, <laughs> that's just true. I would have started crying. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Dan, what's your last one? What do you uh, got? My, my final one is more of just a visual joke where he would, he would just then, they, they would just hold up a scorecard of a zero. <laughs> Yo, I'm giving that a fucking eight, dude. It's not, it's not in the spirit, uh, no, but, but I, I like, like it very much. It so I'm gonna a, give it a, easily gets a seven. Yeah, it's a seven. <laughs> okay, did that win? I, that, I have one more to do. You, you, oh, you have still, one more. To, that I, was my third. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Here you first. Her skating career is shot. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's like the sad and the really corny. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Seven. He really wrapped seven, it all, all right. up in there. I'm giving that an eight. Thank you. Sixer. Six, seven, eight. All right. Um. So, this is nonsense. Um. <laughs> I apologize. In wait, advance. wait. I cannot tolerate nonsense on this podcast. Yeah, so, <laughs> buckle in. It's literally making me sick. Uh. She is shot and. Uh, 
this is taking place in a pseudo reality after this song came out. But I really appreciate the setup. <laughs> she was a skater boy. I said, <laughs> see you later, boy. <laughs> Ten. Ten. <laughs> listen, listen, guys. It's a ten. Listen, I'm turning off your microphone. I'm it's five. A ten. No, it's ten. Ten. Five. Ten. Five. This is this is the Simpsons joke of Ralph just like hitting that <laughs> yes button. <laughs> All right, I can live with a ten and a five. Uh, uh, anybody else have notes? Last notes about? Uh, I, Ronin. A thing I like about this movie a lot. I was thinking about after I make the uh, National Treasure r- comparison. It's a bad comparison because. Um, National Treasure sort of exemplifies a contemporary sensibility for action movies. I know that's ironic that movie's like fucking uh, 17 years old now and I'm old as hell. Uh, but um, in that it's it's so irony laden that it, it tries to sidestep its problems with its script and its characterization and its it latent dumbness by winking at the camera a whole bunch. Like, that's a movie that wants you to know that it knows how dumb it is, and that's supposed to disarm it and make it okay that it's that dumb. And it's like, well, if you're if you're unironically... It's that, that marvelization thing that I've uh, come out against in the podcast before where it kind of wants its cake and to eat it too, where it's like, if you're into this, it's good to be into it. But if you think it's dumb, we think it's dumb too, man. So uh, it's totally fine and cool, and we're actually smarter than all this and better than all this anyway. This movie is so pointedly not that... Like, it just wants you to think that Sam is the coolest, coldest motherfucker who's yeah. ever walked the planet because it thinks that. And it wants you to think, God damn, this is so sweet. It's good to be bad. I want to be one of these criminals. This is sick. Um, and I, I think I like that a lot. I think I like that, the, that this movie, if it doesn't have the strength of its convictions to actually be a genre movie, it at least has the strength of its convictions to be unironically, genuinely dumb <laughs> in a way that, that I think is, um, is, like, is braver. Uh, than, like, the sort of contemporary winky bullshit Mm -hmm. of... Like, if this movie had been made today, you know it would have been full of that sort of shit. Right. It would have been way more directly comedic. And it's worse for it, in my opinion. Uh, That's what I got. I think so. I agree with that. I don't have any other thoughts. Are we doing the other segment or no? Oh, that segment? What segment? What segment? Oh, Wow! Wow! The I'm disrespect. so sorry. Yeah, I'm. This is terrible. We I have, thought you hated this, so I wasn't going to bring well, it up. I, after getting owned the last time, I did it by having my <laughs> noties get usurped by. So you must Aaron, have some Aaron heat. Fucking Grossman. You have some heat this time. There's some heat in Cody's noties. Here we go, everybody. It's time for Cody's noties. No, um. So we, uh, Harry. I think <laughs> you specifically said this movie was trying to be like six different things at once. Uh. At one point, uh, in one scene specifically, it is really doing its damnedest to be a James Bond movie. Y'all remember that fucking OP gadget of uh, um, the remote control that can change a stoplight to red? Yeah. The really, yeah. That? There's a really good shot, yeah. actually, where the, the light is foregrounded mm-hmm. and um, the... Stellan Skarsgård is like small because he's at a distance from the stoplight and, and the stoplight takes up most of the frame and he's mm. sort of standing tall. Yeah. It's a, that's a really good shot, uh, actually. It was. Uh, there are a lot of good shots in this, I think. I don't know. That just like quickly rose why? to my yeah. list of like, they top have, spy gadgets. If they have a tool that can do that, why are there so many car chases in this movie? Dude, exactly. They could just stop traffic right. everywhere. Duh, game over. 
Because uh-huh. everybody knows car chases stop at red lights. Well, yeah, yeah. they don't want to break the law. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Uh, CIA. Uh, but um, thinking about these car chases, uh, and this is also uh, contributing to something that I, I can't believe I'm the one to do this. We're, we're almost going to go two full episodes without none of you nincompoops bringing up video games. Uh, the uh, That first car chase, was it through uh, Nice? Um, we like, nice. Hey. Um, it was nice. <laughs> I don't know. Cody, you straight up did finger guns yeah. at the screen when it said niece. Yeah, because I'm yeah, seven we, fucking years yeah, old. I, I think I, I said that exact thing to yeah. Jason. Like it was It was when we saw the sign that said nice and it was pointing, and I chuckled and I was like, I'm fucking five. This is so dumb. But there is a great. Well, we'll pull it up. But there's a great segment where you, we get this luxurious pan of the cityscape of Nice, establishing shot, and then all of a sudden, in this like medieval font, it just goes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the the first the first car chase, I believe it was in Nice, uh, reminded me of a level of uh, one of the few video games that I spent copious hours playing in my youth. Driver. Uh, what? Go ahead. Is that a video game? No. Uh, it's a Burnout Three. The answer we was lo- we were looking for was Burnout Three. Hmm. Um, a great game. Great, tremendous game. Uh, a soundtrack that was oddly formative on my middle school and early high school years. Um, shout out to Burnout 3. Come do on the pod. You, do you uh, drive come th- on the pod. Do you, do you drive through Nice in that game? There's, I don't know if it is Nice explicitly, uh, a fictionalized, like, intimate, crowded, streetway version uh, mm. of, you know, things that look mm-hmm. familiar. Um, I don't know. Uh, Harry's noties, real quick. Uh, Jason, or just <laughs> Harry's, Harry's free associations, I guess. It's like jazz. <laughs> um, you mentioned Driver, like Driver San Francisco, which uh, Vin Diesel is mocapped in. That reminded me that Ronin is like an extremely, isn't he? I think the, he is. I'm, I'm just, this is going to be like five degrees of Ronin. You're right. Okay. Uh, but Ronin reminded me a lot of Fast and Furious, it turned out. Nice. I think oh, that wow. like this mm, was definitely nice. a movie that Fast and Furious pulled from a lot. Yeah. Again, yeah. for better and worse. Like, yeah, especially the like Fast Five through, or Four through like Seven, where they're just doing like character heists. It was like, oh, this is like a Fast and Furious movie. Yeah, yeah, that's all I got. That's my Harry's Love those references. Do you have any other noties for yeah, us, Yeah, my uh, last thing, um, plugging uh, something, a really cool product that I picked up uh, a couple weeks ago. I was drinking out of wow. this uh, Trilon water bottle all throughout uh, the screening of Ronin that we just we buzzed over here where, from. Where can you find that? Uh, you can find it at the Trilon Cinema. Shoutouts uh, to the Trilon. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, they're all about, they stopped selling, uh, so typically what I would do is I would get uh, a bottled soda or two and get uh, a bottle of water as well to wash all that nasty soda sugar out of my mouth. Uh, they stopped sh- selling the uh, bottled water, started selling these cool uh, Trilon water bottles. I think this was $10. And they've got a re- Yeah, you can bring it into the theater. They've got a, a handy dandy water fountain. Man, uh, Trilon, it's good for podcasts, good for movies, good for the environment. Good yeah, for you. Amazing. Makes you think. Cody, I can't even see the water bottle from over here. What what, what What's that even look like? Uh, it's um, So it's uh, cylindrical. Um, oh. It's, uh, it's got the red uh, Trilon branding, the, the font Looking running down good. the side. It, on, it's great. Uh, you, I'm banging it on the table. It hasn't it broken. It is solid. Um, it has mass. Very, yeah. And uh, this is me. Unscrewing the cap. No squeak. He's unscrewing no squeak the cap now. He's, no drinking, he's drinking. He's tipping. Water he's getting no water. He's water Listen to he's that. Not fully. It looks it's like we have the guy from Ronan in here. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, Minneapolis water. That tastes great. Is that a, is that a thing? I don't know. I don't. Shout know. out to Minneapolis water. <laughs> the, the, Come on the pod. Come on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> the 
put tap water in this city. Tastes Thank okay. you so much for coming on the yes. pod. Uh, Dan, this was a blast. We yeah. loved having you. Yes. Yeah, this was as fun as I hoped it would be. I was terrified mm, I would come more? out and ju- it would just be like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, we could be kind of... Uh, oh, no, he's only seen five movies, and one of them is Ronan. Oh, jeez. Just three references. This is going to end up being a seven-minute episode. <laughs> We're just going to cut out everything from this episode except the intro and the outro. I'm thrilled. Yeah. That's you'll great. Be, you'll no, be able to listen to it. No pressure. No. <laughs> Including like intro and outro, outro songs and bits. Seven, just seven minutes. Seven minutes, 30, maybe. That's gold. Yeah. I love that. Perfect. Just I'll the bits. Send this we, out to all my fe- friends, relatives, family, the gambit. Thank you. Uh, do Thank we you. have any final lingering thoughts about Ronin? Uh, Dan, do you have any final lingering thoughts you, about Ronin? I mean, I just really want to talk about a dialogue exchange that truly made me want to scream <laughs> when it happened. Bring it out. De Niro and Jean Renault are staking out the the double crossers and they <laughs> De Niro gets into the car and has the most babbling exchange with John Renault that I've ever heard where he gets in and he's just like can't believe they have you working on a day like this what do you want for Christmas my two front teeth <laughs> and then how, John Renault says may all your wishes come true and end scene and it's <laughs> I it is it's incredible it is a perfect scene actually and, to go to what you were saying, Harry, where this is so unabashedly, like, straight-faced stupid, Yeah, that's what I I adore movies like that, where you don't get a scene like that in a movie today. It, it, I mean, maybe you'll get that in Cats, I'm hoping. <laughs> Fingers crossed, because that movie looks like it's going to be... Hot garbage. Are we doing a cats episode? I'm maybe going we'll to do, see that. Maybe we'll do a cats episode. Episode fifty-three. I, <laughs> I got my cats gear. I'm, I'm He's going to be dressed as an elf. I don't know why. It's going to be completely unrelated. I'm going to be as Mr. Mr. Flix. <laughs> no, that's that, that's a bat. That's a that's a Superman villain. Wow. <laughs> you could have fooled me. I was going to yeah. roll with it. Maybe you're going to no, do that. Mes- Mephistopheles. Mephistopheles. Mes- right. Yes. Sorry. Cats is wildly overwritten based on a TS. Have you guys ever heard of it? Nope. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's a whole thing. It's wild. Yeah. It's a whole episode. So, Dan Nagan, podcast host, attorney, and noted furry. On <laughs> All right. Podcast this we can't. This allegedly. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, there isn't. There is not. Uh, so, one more time. You love uh, dumb movies, it sounds like. Dan, that's what you said. I love dumb movies. I also love good movies. Hell yeah. You listen to me talk about both of them on my podcast, Everything We Learned. Everything We Learned. Everything Just We Learned. look for it wherever you're listening to this. Here, I'll put you to the test. What did we learn watching Ronan? Yeah, I forgot. Three, three things. <laughs> oh, he's mastered oh, the second shit. rule. <laughs> All right. I... Uh, Ronin, in more like Ron out thank you very much for listening to try love a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw do i do this at the end or the only i don't know who, who I'm, knows I'm not acting i don't right. remember second i've role. had too much air fryer too many hot toddies yeah yeah i am <laughs> a little, hot bodies. little tipsy yikes uh thank you very much for listening to try love i am jason i am cody i am harry I'm Dan. Thank you very much, Dan, for joining us. Uh, listen to our podcast next time when we'll have another podcast episode about another movie. Uh, <laughs> at another time. <laughs> at another time. It might be different in length from this episode. Uh, you might hear different people, but it definitely will be an You'll episode. You'll come away with a lot of questions and no answers. And that's the third rule. You bollocked it up. <laughs>